He taught me how to use WhatsApp, for example. <laughs> <laughs>
um, beyond, we'll talk about some of the things that we did together, but in terms of a relationship, some really powerful, earnest, sincere questions he asked me about me, about Canada, what it's like in the industry that I've never had anyone ask me before. No, that's amazing, Richard. It's, it's good to, to hear that because like when it comes to mentoring, mentoring is not just about, I mean, it is about, you know, helping a mentee essentially break into their field based on their career background. But, but a mentor is also a friend, you know, a mentor is, is sort of a sounding board. So to be able to provide that for Norman, I think, you know, I can, I can see just, you know, the fact that both of you are participating in this podcast can I make the assumption that you're friends, essentially, right? Even years after the partnership has ended. Yeah, we keep in touch. He taught me how to use WhatsApp, for example. <laughs> really? <laughs> I had never used it. I had never used it. So Norman was mentoring me in, in many ways, including that. Reverse mentoring. There you have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The life lessons I have from Norman are greater than those I might have shared with him. Excellent. But I guess to move on to... Uh, Onto the serious note, um, so this would be a, a question for you, Richard. Just building upon sort of your impressions, um, sort of beginning the partnership with with Norman, and when you start started uh, mentoring him, what are the, some of the key aspects of the job search process that you want him to, to focus on, based on sort of his um, career journey in Canada? Well, I, you know, after we got comfortable with each other, and he explained his background, and for me, it's quite curious to pick up and move here without knowing really much about the country or anything. Like the the risk profile that he and Purita were willing to undertake really impressed me. And so, what I then realized was, I, I guess I should go back to what I normally uh, talk to people about, regardless of what got them to a conversation. And one of the first things we did is um, I've worked with an executive coach for over 25 years. She's helped me tremendously with self-awareness and self-regulation. And so I really needed to know more about Norman in that sense. And so one of the things he was a very good sport about was going through one of these assessments that are just meant to pull out more of the person's strengths and interests and motivators. Um, and Norman, I'm, I'm sure you remember this. That was really helpful because then it gave us a starting point to talk about. I knew him functionally, but I didn't know what was driving him. And so from there, we started to explore what types of industries would make sense, what type of roles would make sense. And then even when we were talking about him and networking and some of the roles he took was where is he going to lean on from his profile, his strengths as a person and as a business person. Excellent. So just to just build upon that. And so I know like with Triac, uh, we focus really heavily on the win model and it's probably like was sort of drilled into you um, pretty deeply when you did the orientation and, and win just quickly for our, our listeners, you know, the W in win stands for, you know, workplace culture. I is sort of industry um, in, in information and N is, is networking uh, just to put it in a nutshell. So Richard, um, what part of the win model that you think you focused more with, with Norman in your three-month partnership? Um, we, I, I would say, this is my recollection. I'm interested in his re recalling it. I, I th think the thing we talked a lot about was what we'll call culture and, and who you were with and who you're spending time with. Because one of the conversations I remember distinctly was Norman going to an event, an industry event at a certain venue, and it was just a certain type of place. And he didn't feel comfortable there. And he didn't feel comfortable because I think, frankly, some of the people didn't make him feel comfortable. 
And we talked a lot about that. And that was an environment and a place where I would get a different reception um, than he felt. And so that became really important for us to understand who do you feel comfortable being around? Who makes you feel comfortable? Who makes you feel welcome? Um, and what that was going to look like. Yeah, for sure. Networking is, is not uh, not easy at all. Norman, did you have any? Did you have something you wanted to add? We talked about many things, uh, primarily around, from my recollection, culture and uh, just contextual knowledge of uh, the working environment in Canada. When I was in Singapore, a lot of the discussions I would have with, uh, I wouldn't say mentors, but seniors in the industry revolves around skills, hard skills. And when speaking to Richard, I found that he tailored the approach to me in such a way he's actually asking me who I am in terms of my interest, leaning towards what interest, in turn, asking, the, uh, asking ourselves the question where, in what industry is best placed in. Uh, one of the good outcome of that uh, executive coach that uh, Richard introduced to me was that I realized that me as a personality, I would get bored with repetitive stuff. And I was more motivated to seeing something new, achieving something new. And that's led uh, directly to where I am today in my, in my field. Uh, that, that's in projects. Oh, great. Great. So, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like uh, you learned a lot from, from each other. Um, so I guess the, the question I would have to ask is, uh, what is the most interesting part of the mentoring process for, for both of you? I mean, it's probably a lot, but if you have to pick one, what would you pick in terms of a key takeaway? I think where I was in Asia and Singapore, there is, there is a general culture of um, taking care of yourself, being independent and taking care of yourself. Whereas in Canada, I hear a lot of people say the word help or mentor, whereas in Singapore, it's such a foreign term. Uh, mentor is such a foreign term. And secondly, the word help uh, has a certain connotation to it. That's uh, culturally speaking. So um, what I took away from it all is that I realized that I had grown up in such a society where self-independence is everything. And uh, Richard came in as a mentor to help break that uh, mentality. If I want to succeed in Canada, I would have to let go of my self-independence and start reaching out to people for help. Um, connections, uh, building relationships with people, generally, generally getting help. That's how, that's how, I, uh, that's how I envision uh, my role. Uh, post uh, the three-month mentoring. Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting takeaway, Norman. And I definitely haven't heard the term, uh, you know, mentoring is boring. Um, but uh, you learn something new every day. And, and I guess, yeah, when you, when you come here, um, yeah, the experience that you got through mentoring and learning that, you know, help is not a, you know, a, a four-letter word, as they would say, right? It's not a bad word, right? Um, so, yeah, if in terms of, of, uh, of sort of you thinking that that's like one of the more interesting takeaways. Let's balance that out on the other side with, with you, Richard. 
what do you think was was one of the uh, the most interesting parts of, of the process for you? Well, um, you know, selfishly, I think I learned a lot more from Norman um, than any exchange I provided him. I, I uh, learned about myself. I think the thing that impressed me the most was how different I see this country for people than I would have before I met Norman. Some of the things that we talked about were obstacles that he experienced, things that he felt that I haven't um, by virtue of a lot of different things in our circumstances. And so in some ways, I'm even more proud of the country. But in some ways, I think we've still got a lot of work to do here because there's untapped potential um, in, you know, Norman Perita and they started a family, uh, which is a wonderful story. And it wasn't easy for them. Uh, and they're supremely talented and they're good people. And I think how hard that is. And now I know from talking to someone um, firsthand, having seen that happen. You know, I, I think one of the things that impressed me about Norman very quickly was on the weekends, in addition to what he was doing during the week, he was working at the en route service centers on the highway. And he was selling credit cards. I think it was Canadian Tire credit cards. And I think we've all been there. That is a really tough job. But what stood out for me is that he was very good at it. And I'm not surprised by that at all because he's so, so persuasive and he builds rapport really quickly. But he also had this ability to have a conversation with someone and more often than not, they would say no. And then restart with fresh motivation every single time. And that impressed the heck out of me. Well, uh, well, no, congratulations to you both. And, you know, definitely, the, you know, the men, that's the, what the program is here for, to help uh, a newcomer in their journey. Um, and you definitely come a long way, Norman. Um, Norman, did you uh, uh, say like uh, where you currently work right now and your current position? So I'm currently working as a project cost analyst in the nuclear uh, energy sector. Um, I work alongside uh, project managers, uh, uh, project controls, uh, schedulers, and uh, many other uh, people who are looking into revamping and refurbishing certain parts of the nuclear power plant. Why do you think mentoring is so important for a newcomer in getting a a job in their desired field and and potentially their first job in Canada? I guess the question would be, how how has the whole uh, immigration experience uh, shaped me? Um, When I first came uh, to Canada, when I met Richard, I think one of the things that we spoke about was uh, was my previous role and what skills do I bring uh, to the table. I got to find out that um, me being virtue of uh, being an international commodity trader back in Singapore, that did not apply uh, extremely well in the Ontario context. Where I was in Singapore, who you are as a job candidate or as a person, you are, you are assessed two-thirds on hard skills and one-third on soft skills. Uh, whereas in the Canadian context, the leaning seems to be that candidates are hard, uh, probably 50-50 based on soft skills and hard skills. Um, when I first came to Canada, I think the most difficult part was, okay, you have the hard skills, yes? but do you have the knowledge of the context? I think that's the one where it bites a lot of uh, new immigrants. One, one quick example is I, I was in the uh, commodity trading field and I was interviewing 
for a job in the commodity trading field as well. And uh, a question was posed to me, what happens if, say, a certain business deal does not go into, does not go uh, according to your uh, business plan? What happens? I answered in the way that, oh, I'm going to send, I'm going to send something legal. I put it into writing on an email. If you don't do this, then you would, basically, we would take, uh, take action. And from the interviewer's reply, it seems to be, hey, we can, we can sort of resolve this. You know, we, are, we, uh, we, we have a relationship with you in the industry. So I'm sure we can work it out before we do anything. So where I was, where I was my first year was not understanding the context. I think a lot of the new immigrants, they enter the job discussion with the, with the employer with a set of presupposition. Whereas if you had had mentors in your field, you would have been able to, let's say, alleviate, uh, alleviate that pain. So what I had to do is I had to break up my skill set into two major, uh, two major areas. One would be sales and the other would be financial analysis. So during the time where I was selling credit card, as uh, Richard would uh, recollect, I was using a lot of the sales skills. And behind that would be some financial analysis skills in the background. Right now, I'm actually doing the opposite. I'm using a lot of my financial analysis skills in the front with a sales skills in the back to be able to convince uh, stakeholders, to be able to provide confidence in the stakeholders of uh, the projects that we're in. I happen to be performing cost controls on the largest project in my department right now. And I am proud to say that without the mentoring that Triac has given me, and as well as a mentor I have in Richard, I wouldn't have gone so far where I am today. Um, you talked about what you did back in Singapore and, and now how far you've come in the present day. But why do you think uh, mentoring would, was, was important in that journey? And it doesn't matter who starts first, you know, Richard or Norman, whoever wants to go first can answer that question. I think you can learn 101 things about Canada from the internet, from any part of the world, whether it be it in Singapore, you're in Fiji, Samoa, Iceland, wherever you are, but you cannot get the real feel without being there and talking to someone. I think having a mentor allows you to translate the information that you share onto the, from the internet and, and seeing it right in front of you as a person. And that's how, that's how mentoring is to me. Uh, having a real person in front of you to, to share basically your ups and downs. Uh, a good example would be, I remember on the first year, uh, the first three months, I was in a, one of the central libraries in, on Yonge Street, and I was doing job search on the internet, and I simply broke down. And I was like softly sobbing in the library. And so I had to call someone, otherwise I'll get, 
it's bad for mental health, to be honest. And uh, and I I called I I texted Richard uh, and I I and I and then we we had a chat uh, on the phone and I was just um I was just pouring my heart out to say this is so difficult. How am I gonna get my first job? Kind of uh, uh, kind of dialogue uh, and uh, yeah he with, without that experience. Of being so down, and your mentoring mentor lifting you up, lifting myself up. I think it's 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 hard for you to grasp how uh, mentorship is uh, is uh, is important. Once you go through the experience, then you realize, oh yes, my mentor is there for me, backing me up in this journey as well. Well, it's um, it's very generous of Norman to share that story. Um, Albert, I'll, I'll add just a few thoughts. That particular experience, I remember well, the one that Norman's talking about. And, and that was one of the moments where we were talking about back to how is Norman at his natural state and how has he had to be in different markets. And I knew in the debrief on that conversation um, that he was going to be very successful here because it's how he is as a person. He's wired that way. And I also knew that uh, where he was before professionally and culturally was um, not always his natural state. And that prevents people from being more successful. I think the other things, um, you know, that occurred to me that I learned through this was how similar we are around the world, really. Um, and the differences that exist, which are meaningful to people, um, can also just frankly get in the way. Um, and so, you know, Norman calling me when he's having a bad day, we've all done that that's a global phenomenon and to have someone that you can call and talk to. And I have the same thing. I have the same network is a really good feeling. And so that's where I say the human condition is very similar around the world. Uh, people have bad days all around the world. People need someone to talk to when they're having a bad day. That was a universal thing. And then the, you know, the last piece, which we got more comfortable with this was for me to understand how um, I get, I'll call it the three versions of myself, how I think I am, how I wish I was, and then how other people see me. And, and so we had this interesting journey uh, for me and for Norman about those three versions of ourselves and talking about that. And one of the things I wouldn't have known until I got to know Norman and know well is, um, you know, given where I am in life and, and my role, um, that can be intimidating to people up front because it is not naturally how I think about myself. So early on when Norman was talking about that um, apprehension and that he was nervous, uh, meeting me, I wouldn't have known that. But as soon as I found that out, I wanted to do whatever I could to alleviate that, because uh, that's not a feeling I want to create in someone else. I think what I could have mentioned is being a new immigrant in a country. I think you're short of th three things: you're short of connections, you're short of money, you're short of time. And uh, why does that play a part? Because uh, Triac has actually given me a couple of options. One a VP level at Starbucks and a manager level at Starbucks. So I had the natural tendency, okay, let's go with somebody who is higher up in the, in the career ladder. And so how, how, how that plays a part. When I met Richard, I had this mindset in my mind that, oh, I'm going to meet a VP from a large mega corporation. Oh no, I got to do something. I got to act in a certain way. I got to do certain things. Um, but 
when I met him, it's it's like meeting another person. There is there is how should I put this? Um, I think immigrants should not be should not be intimidated by the by the titles of who you're meeting in your first in your first meeting because the context is is different in every case in the uh, during the first uh, couple of meetings i remember richard buying me coffee i was like oh no i got to okay he's buying me 5 dollars worth of coffee i got to i got to do something 5 worth worth 5 dollars back at him and i don't think it's like that it's not like that at all and he, uh, there were many, many, um, many situations whereby he asked me, "Hey, I think you should meet with with this person." And I said, "Oh man, I gotta introduce the same number of connections to Richard as well." It's, but it's not like that. Uh, so you, me being short of connections, money, and time, I think he has to be looked at not in the not in the perspective of an immigrant but in the perspective of the mentor what it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be tit for tat it doesn't have to be one for one but you really generally have and sincerely have to know what and who your mentor is like uh, that's that's how i uh, that's how i explored it with uh, my uh, richard as my mentor um i i think um you know because of my circumstances uh the way i grew up I had perpetual mentor. Um, you know, I was born into a situation uh, that enabled me to go to school and go to university um, and then get hired at great companies and people there looked out for me. And so I had a significant tailwind my entire life, my entire career. And what I said earlier about Norman opening up my eyes to the country is true. Um, some of the great things about it and some of the things that we need to work on. And so um, I just, I felt like everyone I think does who has some good fortune, you know, to share it is important and to give back and the learning that I received from him. I think I say this in every answer. I learned more from him for sure. Um, it was wonderful. And I remember, remember a funny moment after we got to know each other um, and he, Norman and Perita were up and running to a degree. And then Perita had this job opportunity, which, as you now know, they ended up taking. They moved from downtown out to Tiverton. And so I remember Norman calling me and saying, hey, I just want to talk through this with you. Perita's got this opportunity and it's in Tiverton. And I, you know, my first reaction was, oh, my, Tiverton. Oh, it's, it's colder than Toronto. It's a different area code. You know, I had a, a whole bunch of things that were going through my head. And then it, and we started talking about it and I realized that is such a Southern Ontario view of things. Norman's coming from a place, you know, born in Indonesia, through Singapore to Canada, what he and Purita have gone through, this is nothing, this idea of moving to Tiverton. And so I found myself really invested in that decision with them, even though we, you know, we just simply talked through the pros and the cons and he has lots of other people in the network. And, uh, be, you know, because in that journey, we had met with our spouses and uh, I remember having tacos Midtown. Um, my wife, Dana, became invested in this as well. And I said to her after I got off the phone, I said, wow, we had this really interesting conversation. Parita has this job opportunity and Norman would move. And, um, you know, we talked through my wife and I, and I can remember her asking me, like, really, what are they doing? Have they made a decision? Do they know what's going to happen? 
And then uh, of course uh, they move, they've done well. Uh, when they had their first child, they were in our neighborhood, they stopped by. So the five of us went out and had a lunch, uh, which was wonderful. So um, yeah, so I, I think um, that idea that, you know, for those of us who are here with help, and we've all gotten help, um, like a responsibility to share some of that and, and some of that learning is, um, is something I feel and I think most people do as well. Excellent. No, it's, it's great to hear from, from both uh, you, Richard, and, and Norman about uh, how, how the collective experience of mentoring has sort of lifted you both up and, and taught you lessons on both sides, right? You know, there's mentoring, there's also reverse mentoring, and it's a period of, of growth and, and learning and, and just helping each other, you know, achieve your, your goals and, and helping Norman, you know, essentially break into uh, the field that he wants to break into. Um, and I, and I, and I, and I'm going somewhere with this. So it's, I'm not just sort of, uh, going in circles. Um, I, I realized that, that when you formed your partnership, it was before the pandemic, you, you mentioned that you had met in person and Norman had wrote a, a really touching note for you. And as you know, like for the past two years, we've been in this pandemic and, uh, you know, some may say we're still in it. And a lot of our mentoring these days has been virtual. So a lot of our new mentors and mentees um, have met together virtually, and they may not have met in person. And we're sort of in this like hybrid model right now. So my question to, to both of you is, what do you think the, the future of mentoring is post-pandemic? You know, you, you were able to build that strong relationship, you know, in different times. But what do you think would need to happen to keep that in these sort of, you know, this brave new world that we're entering, essentially? My first thought would be, I wanted to say the acceptance of the hybrid model as an option, but then that got me thinking, can, can you, I, I don't know about yourself, but I don't, I don't foresee myself being able to connect with someone uh, just on the, just on the screen. I think out of the five times I meet someone, I think I have to, I have to have at least uh, 40% of it uh, being, being physical uh, because we are, we are not just forming, I don't think we are just exchanging information. I think we are exchanging, like we're, we're trying to form a relationship. I think it's, I think there has to be a degree of uh, physical, uh, physical contact for it to be a uh, successful mentoring. I, I, people would this might disagree with me, but uh, yeah, that's, that's how I think about things. And you, Richard? Well, I, I think the depth of the conversations that Norman and I had are not possible for me. And uh, it sounds like for Norman as well, without some in-person contact, those became formative experiences. Like I mentioned at the beginning, the way I uh, quote unquote met him was he left me a handwritten note. That's a really powerful tool. And um, as I say that, I remind myself I don't do it enough. Um, but then those experiences meeting uh, with our spouses, we had a funny meeting where we met in the West End. He had this really cool pasta bar that he liked near Bloor and Lansdowne. He said, hey, let's meet there. We'll meet there for lunch. And I said, yeah, no problem. And I had a meeting before that that required me to wear a suit and tie and a white dress shirt. And so I walked into this place and it's a very casual place in the middle of the day. There's no one else in a suit and tie. And I looked very, you know, I looked very formal, like excessively formal. 
And then I had to have this weird napkin contraption because we were having tomato sauce and it had this white shirt on. Th those funny little moments between two people um, create a, a different level of connection. And I don't mean to say that what we're doing here virtually doesn't allow for that. I had a chat with someone this morning um, that I've never met and we've been on teams. And you can have good discussion there. Um, but I, I think in some cases where there's depth, and I'll use the example that Norman raised earlier, you know, giving me a call because he wanted to talk through how he was feeling because I'd known him and met him and we'd been through this. Um, that is a very comfortable conversation to have on a cell phone, which is what it was. Um, without having met in person many times, I don't know if the conversation happens. So it, it presents a challenge, Albert. Um, and and I, I know I'm not providing a particularly um, brilliant solution other than if people could at least once for coffee somehow, you know, uh, to create a connection, I think that would help tremendously. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. Uh, Richard, some, some good advice. And, and yeah, I mean, like that, that's the, the key question these days, you know, like when we're, and, and you as a experienced mentor, you know, and, and sort of advice for, for, for new mentors coming in, you know, how do, how do you really build that, that relationship? If it's, you know, 80% virtual, right? Like how do you trigger the same sort of experiences that you had with Norman that can really lead to a, like a strong foundation to have this trusting relationship that can, that's not just about like career, like career growth and, and, and getting Norman or mentee into, into their field, but also like lifting, lifting them up. I was really touched, you know, when Norman mentioned that story of, you know, when he was sort of in, in the library and sort of not, not really, you know, having a good time and, and struggling to be able to pick up the phone and, and talk to you because like you had that relationship built in, that's sort of the challenge, right? You know, you know, what are we doing post pandemic and how do we ensure that if, if many of our mentoring relationships are, are virtual, how do we maintain that standard that we had before, at, you know, as we sort of get back to normal, as they say? Yeah, we, we've messaged, like I joked about the WhatsApp thing, which is true. He taught me how to use that. Um, I mean, the other thing I found now is we've gotten into a more virtual uh, world and I'm meeting people. There are other forms of communication where you can add a little bit of yourself and your personality. Writing style is one of them. So, you know, um, Norman and I have not used long form email to communicate, but I have used it with other people. And it's just another way to get to know someone. It's another expression of themselves that allows you to connect on some level and understand someone. And Norman, let's, let's, uh, kick it back to you. Um, your advice for, for a mentee, um, sort of if, if they have to enter sort of a virtual mentoring relationship, um, any advice for, for them? Probably a couple. First, uh, just be considerate. Your mentor is not there to win your job. Your mentor is there as he has sacrificed, he or she has sacrificed his or her time to make, to make you, to lift you up, to make you slightly more successful. Your mentor does not owe you anything. Um, and secondly, from this experience, I learned that you have to give something back to the mentor. At the beginning of the relationship, I asked myself, hey, Richard is somebody high up in the, in the industry. Who am, I to, who am I to give something to him? And it's, I think in most cases, it's not that straightforward. Um, mentors 
and correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, but mentors do not generally want, uh, do not generally expect them to be more successful just because they have mentored someone. But uh, in the case of Richard, for example, he expressed many, many times that he was very appreciative of my point of view. And that is something that I have given to uh, Richard as a mentor. So that's, that's really, uh, those are the two things that, uh, that pop up to my mind. You don't have to, you don't have to give money. You don't have to give food. You don't have to give, uh, trees like coffee, et cetera. Although Richard would have appreciated a lot, but it's something, and it's something that it's unique to your mentor and you have to be able to explore it. You as a mentee, you need to be able to like ask the question. You have to be maybe point blank. What are you looking to get out of uh, this uh, mentorship relationship, uh, dear mentor? No, that's a really uh, interesting phenomenon. Um, I take it sort of like removing the mystique, essentially, um, when it comes to like you, you like you mentioned quite a few times that Richard, you know, was a uh, a VP at uh, at Starbucks, and and the fact that when you have a lot of newcomers and sort of they're interviewing for positions, they may like like you had in the past, they might be very intimidated because they hold this sort of mystique of especially if they're coming from a different country, this mystique of oh the archetype of of the person who's interviewing, their VP, their director, they're very high up, but for the met for for the mentoring program having Richard as, as your mentor sort of remove that mystique, right? I would like to think that because of that, when you're in future interview positions and or when you're, you know, engaging in networking, that when that mystique is removed, you know, you're, you don't feel as intimidated and, you know, that gives you sort of more experience and, and this, this person is human, right? Like as, as Richard said, you know, we're all human. So, you know, it makes it easier to, to connect and relate. It's an interesting insight that I hadn't contemplated until now in the way you phrase it, that the virtue of the connection then was a way for Norman to see what we all know, that we're all humans and we all have uh, things we're interested in and things that we're afraid of. Um, and so I am a bit of the archetype of the hiring person in corporate Canada right now. Um, and I hadn't really contemplated your point until now. And that, um, and I was very confident that Norman would be great in front of everybody. So and I think that, uh, you know, everyone that I talk to who talked to Norman feels the same as I do, which is, you know, I'm richer as a person for having met him. And I think we all agree, given how well he and Purita and the family have done, the country is richer for having embraced him and Purita and got them going. Great story. And I just one one final thought. Um, to both of you is uh, will you uh, be mentors? Will you come back as mentors? So I know Richard, you are a mentor. Are you interested in coming back? And Norman, I, I'm not sure. Are you a mentor with Track? And if not, would you be interested in being a mentor? Ah, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a new that's a new one uh, for sure. Absolutely. Great response. I love it. But I guess that sort of brings us to uh, the fact that I think we answered. Uh, all the questions so so yes uh, well thank you norman thank you uh richard this episode was produced by jian Zhang, and i'm your host albert ko once again thank you richard and norman for sharing your stories about your mentoring journey together with us 
If you like this episode, please like, share, and leave a review, and tell us what you want to hear more from us. You can also follow us on Twitter, at TRIEC, T-R-I-E-C, or on LinkedIn at Toronto Region Immigrant Employment Council. Also, if you have an awesome story about your career journey as an immigrant, DEI strategies at your organization, we'd like to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We believe when immigrants prosper, our region prospers.